you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. And here's your host, it's Chris Voss of the Chris Voss Show. Oh my God, it's the Chris Voss Show. I don't do I don't do a screaming Beatles type little girl at all, girl at all. But I don't know why I said little girl. That's creepy. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. We certainly appreciate you're here. Make sure your arms and legs and I don't know whatever that announcer guy paid him to say off a of fiber said. But we certainly appreciate you guys. Remember, as always, go to iTunes, click the five star button over there on iTunes. Give us a great review. We certainly appreciate. It. We've had a lot of people doing that lately, and we really appreciate the good things about the show. They really brighten my attitude the next morning when I wake up and I see a review on there, and I go, "Wow, that's really." nice i think i'll keep doing the show after 13 years so thanks for tuning in by the way the chris ross show turns 13 years sometime this month i'm not sure what the exact date is it's faded from my memory but the 13 years this show is that old and uh, so is the site and all that crap anyway thanks for tuning in go to youtube.com for chris foss goodreads.com for chris foss chris foss institute or what is it called these days chris foss leadership institute.com you can see all of our courses and stuff over there and also pick up my book because of leadership as always we have amazing guests and authors on the show we just uh, put them in the google machine and google amazing authors and they appear like a magic and we have them on the show and talk to them today we have another amazing multi-book author very prolific if you will mark samuel is on the show with us today he's gonna be talking about his latest book reimagine teams the missing piece in team building to achieve breakthrough results. And everyone's looking for breakthrough results these days. This book came out, to, for those of you seeing this 10 years from now, as people do on our videos, January 7th, 2022. So if he's got seven more books after this, so don't write hateful comments on the comments on YouTube. You do now. <laughs> Seriously, people will see, literally see videos from 12 years ago and they'll be like, this book isn't new, Chris. I'm like, Shut up. Anyway, guys, he's on the show with us. You can hear him laughing in the background, but also he is a transformational leader with over 30 years of experience in the business world. And he's helped hundreds of companies overcome stagnation, transform their businesses, and eliminate toxic work cultures to increase profits. I'm not sure why I'm emphasizing the middle, but it sounded fun. And customer service as well and morale. There's morale. I skipped that. He trains leaders on how to implement sustainable challenges. <laughs> Is it Monday? How to implement sustain, sustainable, sustainable, is there a B in there? Changes within just one or two months. A revolutionary approach right now people don't know because, you know, welcome to the world we live in. Approach, that, but he does know how to spell sustainable. I just don't know how to read it. He's also pioneered with his team at Impact. He writes frequently with Forbes, probably better than I do, and Thrive Global and is the author of seven books. His newest book, of course, just came out, ranked number two. On the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list, definitely something of achievement there. And non for nonfiction, let's hope it wasn't that fiction. And number four on the USA Today list for nonfiction business books. Welcome to the show, Mark. We can't have any more fun with your bio. Come on in, say hello. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Chris. And by the way, congratulations on 13 years. That's amazing. Yeah, That's, yep. I'm out. See you. Talk about sustainable. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm done. Done. Cooked. Welcome uh, to the last show. The last show. That's it. <laughs> Fuck, 13 years. I've had enough of this. I'm like, Carson, I'm just leaving and going on a fucking boat. 
Anyway, <laughs> welcome to the show. Congratulations on the new book. Those are always Thank fun. You. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Yeah, the easiest way to find me is reimagineteams.com. So pretty easy, Reimagine Teams. There you go. I was just uh, watching Leno talk about uh, taking over Carson, and then the Carson joke came up. So what motivated you want to write this book? You've written seven books in all, too, all great business books. I Honestly, I just get so tired of the team-building books and approaches that focus everything on relationship building as if that was what makes a great team when – you know, my experience in sports and music and the area that needs to actually perform, they don't talk relationship at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's like the one thing that we've emphasized in business when you look at the top performing teams, don't do. Yeah. I started a few relationships in business with my team, but then the HR called me in for sexual harassment. I'm kidding. That didn't happen. <laughs> That's a joke, people. That's a joke. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't ever, oh, what's that thing? Eat where you shop. Anyway, whatever. Work or whatever. You know that thing. Anyway, give us an overview of this book. What's inside? Yeah. And give us an overview that people can tease out to pick. The most, there's two really main important things. And it's so easy, really, when you think about it. What most teams do is they identify all the problems that exist today, and then they go one by one trying to solve it and then get into arguments about solving it and conflict about solving it and all of that kind of stuff. So that's, you actually don't want to do that. The better thing to do, the more efficient way to go is go to a place in the future and imagine what it would look like if it was optimally functioning where those conflicts weren't existing. Mm -hmm. And start to set up how do we need to function with each other for the outcomes we need to produce. And then guess what happens? When you create that environment, the old problems don't have to be solved. They literally disappear. They don't exist in the environment. And as people ask me, how long does it take to change a culture? I generally say one to two days. Really? <laughs> Why? Because if I go out to the future and we optimize how we're going to function and then we apply that to the challenges and goals that we have today, all of a sudden teams start functioning different. They don't, they, they let go of whatever the old baggage was that they've been carrying on and everybody's just so focused on getting it. Hey folks, this is a quick break in from the show. Hey, be sure to check out my new courses at chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com. That's chrisvossleadershipinstitute.com forward slash courses, or you can just click the courses tab. You can see we've got new courses up for how to start a podcast and uh, video training that can get you up to date on everything we're doing. Of course, my speaking, my coaching and everything else, but be sure to check out the new course that we have up for starting your own podcast after 13 years, I'm kind of sharing some of the secrets of what I know. So be sure to check that out at chrisvossleadership.com forward slash courses. Done. That brings me to the second part which is instead of focusing on relationships, focus on execution. Oh. Like when I played baseball, it was about getting on the field, turning a double play and throwing people out and how do we communicate and how do we work together and what happens if someone bobbles the ball, what do we do? We worked all that stuff out on the field where so often what team building does is take people, let's cook dinner together. Yeah, as mm -hmm. if that relates to what we're going to do in the business. Can you imagine a sports a professional sports team cooking dinner, hoping that's going to help them to make a double play. Well, everybody knows that you just have pizza party. That, that right. Pizza party. Exactly. And I'm all for that, by the way. Yeah, but it's become the joke meme on LinkedIn that like, hey, you fix everything with a pizza party. Sure. Whatever. Oh, you want more wages? No. Just serious pizza party, though. Pizza. 
Yeah. It's become a, it's come a meme, if you will. So that's pretty quick turnaround to change culture. Do you have to remove the person who's like, for me, a lot of culture comes from whoever's leading at the top or leading, whoever's leading the team and the culture they set. I've seen yes. like a lot of high school popularity cultures. That's always a big thing where yes. people are focused on kissing the boss's ass and that sort of relationship, as opposed to what you mentioned earlier, achieving results. And it just yes. becomes this thing of how far can we brown nose the dude or the woman? I see a lot with female managers. So how does that work? Do you have to remove that person or do we have to retrain them? Or Here's what gets really interesting. When you start to set up what we call team habits, like these are things that we all agree upon on how we're going to share information or make decisions or surface and solve problems. And now we're doing it based on outcome, not based on style, not based on preference, not based on politics, but literally based on outcome. Those that, that can't be accountable that, to that start to surface, mm. and quite honestly, they typically leave on their own. They weed themselves out. That's nice. I've literally worked with executive leaders who worked in a position for 20 years but really weren't performing. Everybody knew it, but no one wanted to say anything. Now that we have agreements <laughs> – all of a sudden it's, hey, we're not here to badger you, but we need you to come through. What support can we give you? Oh, no, no, I don't need support. Great, we'll come through because we're going to check up on you the next week until it happens. And then they go, oh, I don't like this new culture. There's too much yeah. pressure. Yeah, because yeah, you weren't performing to begin with. <laughs> I actually have to do something. Yeah, The one thing I hate more than anything is high school culture, the popularity culture, like you mentioned. Oh, and yeah. It's the person who they try and make everything revolve around them and everybody has to suck up to them. And you're just like, yeah. hey, man, I just want to do my job and go home. I don't have to I, deal with you. And, and it, to me, it's just called a high school culture. That's the technical term. But yeah. it's that popularity. How cozy can I be with the boss? And the one thing I, it was really important, and it was good that I learned that. The one thing I learned with my companies was whoever came in and kissed my butt the most, like I'd just be sitting in my office and knock on the door. Hey, Chris, how's it going? Hey. And, uh, oh, yeah, you're the man, Chris. You're so awesome. They'd be talking me up and whatever. As soon as they leave my office, I'd tell my executive secretaries, I'm like, go get his numbers because I know what's going on. He's not doing his <laughs> that job. brilliant. Yeah. That. As soon as I, as soon as I. As soon as I started seeing, you know, uh, well, I'll, I'll do a joke here for crudeness, but as soon as I started seeing that uh, brown nosing tickle bum thing going on, I'm like, hey, what? we better check some numbers here every freaking time. And I think it's important for managers to do that because if you're an ego-based manager, then you're like, oh, I really am the man, I'm the greatest, and yeah, whatever. And I already knew I was the greatest and had a narcissistic ego anyway. I didn't need <laughs> anything more, and I recognized that. What are some other What are some other things that we can tease out about your book? Tips, or maybe some stories or lessons. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that we put so much focus on relationships and yet we're, we aren't outcome driven in most organizations. We're activity driven oh. and it's all about, Oh, look how hard I can work and look how much I need to do. And we don't prioritize because we don't want to say no to anything. It's like, it's gutless. Quite honestly, it's like, you have to have the courage to say no to some things and you have to prioritize, but you also have to be outcome driven and start, stop the game of, of, oh, go do this. You don't know why you're doing it. You don't know what the purpose is. And you certainly don't know what success looks like to be told, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. Or to be said, or when you ask the questions, I'll know it when I see it. This is like, 
<laughs> How many times do we see that? You would, again, never see that on any sports team or music group. Only yeah. in business do we have real leader who's not willing to set clear outcomes, clear expectations, and clear boundaries. Is the failure of those leaders that they don't they assume people do their job or they don't want to be the bad guy, maybe the whipcracker, or they feel they're being the whipcracker if they're like you say, I like your team the your team equation that you use there because if you're a coach and you're just like Let's just run around the field and the touchdowns will take care of themselves. I'm sure. I think that's how my Raiders play. They just get as many penalties as they can and they go, hey, we got enough penalties. That's three field goals they told us or three touchdowns they told us. So technically we win the game by penalty. They understand, they understand what's going on. So that's my Raiders. It's painful. Anyway, enough of that. I had to have a, I'd have a moment of sadness there and, and lost. To, we'll do this again this season. So how do, so why do they fail? Do the managers not want to be mean? Do they, are they just focused on relationship maybe too much and not enough on get the damn touchdown already, boys? Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I think, there, first of all, the one thing that we run into in organizations is that many times leaders don't know what an outcome is. They think an outcome is a metric. And it's, yeah, metrics are in many ways so arbitrary to begin with, and it doesn't give you a sense of what good looks like. See, an outcome is what does good look like? It includes the execution and the result and the metric. You can't separate any of it. You don't go to a baseball team and say, okay, now here's your ideal batting average. Go make it happen. It's just like that. just ridiculous. So the same thing in business, it's not about a sales goal or a, an efficiency goal. Those are all nice and you need to have them and they're great indicators. However, if you don't know what good looks like to create it, it's now arbitrary. Yeah. Oh, we're going to give you the goal, but we're not going to give you the resources to accomplish it. And by the way, we don't even know what resources are needed to accomplish it. Okay. Everyone then doesn't take any of their direction very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's the other equation that can happen, huh? You're like, hey, everyone needs to get 10 sales this month. And you're like, can we get some phones in here or something? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, if we get the 10 sales, can operations actually produce it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I ran a mortgage company for close to 20 years. And one of the challenges you had was you had to, there's so many different, you, you relied on so many different people, the title company, the credit reporting company, the appraisal company inspection companies, you relied on so many different people. And one of the challenges of the business was with anything when you're dealing with vendors is you got so many links in the chain that all it takes is one chain to break and everything unravels. Yeah. And you just mentioned something super important. I, I really want to highlight this because you just said something that every sports team, every music group practices that in business, we don't even think about. And that is proactive recovery planning. In other words, if something goes wrong, how do we work together? Not a plan B, which is already figuring everything out ahead of time because you may not have the information to do it, but just simply how do we get the right people in the room to make the right decisions in a fast way to overcome whatever challenge is going to show up? Because ultimately, if you think about it, all sports teams, all music, they practice that. They rehearse it over mm -hmm. and over until their recovery plans are as, autom as automatic as their plays. Yeah, that's really important. And it, you've got to be able to execute through the whole thing. You've got to be able to have the processing that can put things. You can sell as much as you want, but if you can't ship and deliver, it's screwed. And we don't have, when we don't have a recovery plan, the plan mm -hmm. in most organizations is find somebody to blame. 
finger point, which is to me the biggest disease in organizations today. It's silo behavior, hero behavior, and blame behavior. Yeah. I love blame environments. I remember <laughs> my, we started our first company. It was for a courier company for a blood clinic. Maybe I shouldn't out them. I don't know. It was like that in the nineties and they had a blame culture. And so they would literally spend more time every day documenting and emailing to cover their ass as like that thing that happened wasn't, wasn't my fault. And they would spend more time documenting that it wasn't their fault than they would in productivity. It's almost the same thing I ever saw. Uh, they would just spend all day trying to make sure that if someone went, if somebody in management went, what the hell happened here? Why did the, this the machine catch on fire? It was like, it was, hey, we wrote five things that says it wasn't me. Yeah. Just, what the hell? And just blame, placing blame. I mean, it became such an environment that they, uh, they finally put swipe cards on the bathrooms. Oh, so they can oh. know how much time you're spending in the bathrooms. Oh, when that, when it reaches that point in the culture, <laughs> you got a problem. That would not be good for me because sometimes you can ask my wife, but it's a long time. It's my, she's called it my men's cave. Yeah, that's the only time a man can get away from everybody and have his private fucking space. If I was married with kids, I would just go into the bathroom, not to even sit in there. I would just stand there and look at my phone or just, I don't know. Do hey, some, don't give away my secrets. With some karma, mantra, <laughs> yoga exercises, turn on the shower, sit on the sit on the seated toilet and just kind of, I don't know, do you go in peace, peace or something. I don't know. I remember when, when I was engaged with somebody who had kids, I never went to the office on Saturday and Sunday. And suddenly I was like, yeah, I'm going to the office on Saturday and Sunday. I'm out of here. So there's that. I understand what guys go through, but having an environment where people, what's, you mentioned something earlier and it reminded me of that old axiom, unless you know what your goals are, if you don't write down your goals, if you don't know what they are, you'll never achieve them because you're not focused on them. Some yeah. of that sort of axiom that's out there. I'm sure there's a meme somewhere, but basically if you don't know. If you don't define your goals, you don't have any really. You're just yeah. wandering. And if you don't know what it looks like to be in the space of accomplishing those goals. Like one thing, if you look at gymnasts, if you look at, again, top athlete musicians, will even imagine what they're doing and feeling like when they're performing before they perform. Yeah. There's and a lot of that mental clarity that they do. There's mental clarity. And here's what I often say that most organizations operate as amateurs, not professionals. They get out there and they play and, oh, I go to a class. Okay, I've been to that class. Therefore, I'm that good of a leader. It's, give me a break. If you're a professional, you're always driving for what's my nev next level of excellence. What does excellence look like? And and it's a moving target that constantly evolves as get better. Not, oh, I've attained my lowest level of performance or class, and now I'm called the leader. <laughs> Let me ask you this. A lot of people, I'm brain farting here. I had a really good question. A lot of people now, they're working from home. And yeah. how do you find teams work from home now? How's that affect? Did you get a chance to write about that? Some of your book? Did uh, actually. We actually took about four to five months when COVID hit, <laughs> given that I was either going to go out of business or stay in business. I thought, let's get outcome driven and literally changed our whole team methodology to be done virtually. Oh, wow. And it was amazing and awesome experience to do that. And we actually got quite a few teams that went through our system virtually and we measure results. So we we're able to track what was the effectiveness. It was quite amazing. 
there's one advantage to virtual that people mm-hmm. never thought of. I never thought about it. And that is when you're in a room together, personalities can take over. When you're yeah. on screen, it's very hard to have that same level of dominance and same level of cutting other people off. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I remember the big question I have for you. The one thing that I noticed, as we mentioned before and led into here with the COVID thing, is I saw so many people during the COVID thing where they were getting Zoom fatigue. And my friends, they're like, they work for big companies. And they're like, I've been through 12 to 18 Zooms today. And I remember always, I always think, this is from a business CEO point of view, I'm like, how much work is getting done if they're just sitting on Zoom meetings all day? Like, when are they getting time to do their work and be productive? We're just paying people to Zoom? No kidding. But see, it's not... We could talk about it as Zoom, but in reality, when people are back in the workplace, the biggest, one of the biggest constraints to getting anything done is I'm always in meetings. I've yeah. literally seen me- people's calendars where they're in meetings, double booked and triple booked meetings throughout their entire day. So the only time they can get work done is to stay after work and do it. Yeah. It's honestly ridiculous. And I, I just worked with a group last week, an executive team. And I asked how much of what you get in one meeting is literally repeat mm-hmm. of other meetings that you're going to. And they say, oh, 30% minimally and up to 75%. It's just killing us. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I would see just so many Zoom meetings and I'd be like, how do you get any work done? Do you just, yeah, I don't know. You have to be like that guy who's the comedian who's on TikTok or wherever and he has the green screen. He's at a football game and stuff. But yeah, it's just like, when do people do work if they're doing 12 to 18 meetings a day? And maybe that's something that people don't really factor for. Do we have a non-Zoom? Can we have, I, I think my company would probably have like non-Zoom hours. Like you can't have any right. Zoom meetings between 12 and four or something. I don't know. Do your damn work. I know enough about productivity about some people where most of their work gets done usually on Monday or Tuesday and they just watch YouTube videos all week, or sometimes they're just playing catch up on Thursday. They're just like, oh crap, I didn't do anything all week. I've been on OnlyFans, so I should probably do some work here and catch it up. I think that's, I think that's one problem we have in our society. I think we really do need a two, a three day to four day work week. Cause I know how much yeah. work people don't get done during the week. Come on, man. I know. And I think it's, I don't know. I, my opinion, it's worse since doing this whole COVID thing and people staying at home. I have a lot of friends that are married that have kids and families. I hear what they're doing. Like half of them are gaming with me in the middle of the day. So I'm like, don't you have work to do? And they're like, yeah, there's a Zoom call coming up. Like, man, I I wish I worked for the whoever they're working for. But whatever. What are some other ways in the book you talked about reimagining teams and stuff? Yeah, the biggest thing, too, is that are your meetings about sharing information or are they actually about solving? Honestly, you don't need to meet if it's to share information, get a, get a status update, look at our metrics. I know that's really popular to do all that stuff, but to me, the only thing that actually does anything to move the organization forward is removing obstacles. <laughs> it's, that's the whole job, especially of leaders. Your whole role is clarity of direction and priority, and let's remove obstacles so that other people don't aren't hassled to get their work done and be successful. Yeah. And I don't care what the obstacle is. It could be a relationship obstacle, a, pr- a process obstacle. I don't really care. 
just remove the dang things. And if you're not removing obstacles, you're worthless. That's true. That's true. There's no one I mean, else going to do it. I used to look at the processes of my business and go, okay, how many hurdles do we have? And let's get rid of some hurdles so that stuff can move from one end to the end faster. Exactly. You look for results. The more thoroughputs you can have, the faster the thoroughput, the better off things can process. The more hoops you're putting in and you're like, you know, we need to have more meetings. And it's just, what else do we need to touch on your book before we go out? What, one other thing that just to me is all about what's going to happen in the future. And that is there is so much change. The mm -hmm. pandemic, regulatory, politics, whatever else, supply chain, there is so much going on. We cannot think of having answers and going back to the way things used to be before mm -hmm. the pandemic is idiotic. We have to now understand that we're pioneers. We're going to mm -hmm. have to iterate more, have recovery plans, try things, experiment, and find out what works rather than having all the answers. And that's where collective intelligence is going to be important so that we're coordinating all this as we're moving forward so that we can adapt in a coordinated manner afterwards. That to me is the real key of leadership. It's a whole different mindset for leaders. It really is. And to me, leadership has really changed. And yeah. you almost have to be able to inspire more because you've got to reach through people's screens through the Zoom and stuff. You can't have them in the office and be doing the whole cheering thing and stuff. You've got to, you've got to be able to rah-rah uh, from afar, if you will. And yeah. I think it's going to change a lot of leaders to where you almost have to be more of like a YouTuber sort of person or something where, you know, you can make video or you can come across on video with more, more rah-rah. I think that's the word I'm stuck on today <laughs> with more motivation, more inspiration, but you've got to be able to do it through a camera. And I don't know, maybe the future CEOs or YouTube stars today or TikTok stars today, because we need people that they're maybe the business channel should have a TikTok where the CEO is making TikTok videos of him singing or something. I don't know. I'm doing jokes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. But. It's going to be a blended environment for sure. So you got to mm -hmm. be good in person. you got to be good on screen. And the good news is that we now can see people that are in different countries that are parts of our team that we couldn't even see before. It's true. So a lot of things have improved from that standpoint. Mm -hmm. But we've got to be smart about how we use the technology and how the technology supports our people rather than, again, coming in with fixed mindsets about the old days. Yeah, very true. Very true. This has been pretty insightful. Uh, give us your .com so people can find out more about you and the book on the interwebs. Yeah, you can get a lot of information. We have both case studies, blogs all over the place, a lot of videos that you can catch on reimagineteams.com. That's the easiest place to go. That will link you to other websites that we have that can broaden that information and knowledge if you want, but reimagineteams.com is the place to go. There you go. Thank you very much, Mark, for being on the show. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. This is great. I just love the style. The real. <laughs> we try to make it yet practical. <laughs> yeah. We try to make it fun like a radio show. In the old days, I grew up with those uh, radios, but we try to make it fun, throw some fun in. So it's not, it's not very dry. I have a lot of authors that will pull us aside because, you know, we get all from the big publishers. I'll be like, I've been doing podcast runs all day today, and yours is the fun one. Thank you so much. I was ready to kill myself. We try and have a lot of fun and do a lot of jokes and make it fun. And I think people learn better with entertainment than they do Absolutely. with. Plus, we don't want to make this another Zoom call for the day. Yes. Oh, God. It's Chris again in his Zoom podcast call. So.
Thank you very much, Mark, for coming on. Thanks to my audience for tuning in. Go ahead and refer the show to all your family, friends, and relatives. Remember, tell them that the Chris Foss Show is a family that loves you but doesn't judge you. The best kind of family there is, right, Mark? The only family. The only family there is. Anyway, guys, be sure to subscribe to the show, all that sort of good stuff. Find us all over the interwebs. We have a million groups. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out, Mark. Thanks.